Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. 23 years ago, actually come tomorrow, a church began called Celebrate. And... A moment in time. I will tell you that 23 years ago today, we had no idea what was going to unfold starting the next. A chapter in our lives that Kay and I, moving here, we'd never pastored a church, had always been in, in youth ministries and in worship, had no idea what was before us. But a moment in time. Just a moment in time, and I'm not trying to reflect this upon me. I'm actually trying for you to think about your own life. What if that moment of time, Kay and I would have said, no. It's just a moment in time. How often do we play this out if we would have said no? Well, God, he'll have another plan. It's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus said, it's best that I go away, that I send back to you the Holy Spirit. It's a walk of love or it's nothing at all, my dad always says, but that walk of love that Jesus defines that love is always in obedience. But isn't it amazing how quickly we will excuse the decisions we make in a moment of time and pass them once again onto the Lord who said, it's best I go away, that the Holy Spirit will be in you. For you will be my hands and my feet. You will be my voice in every moment of time. What if Kay and I would have said no? What if what was before us was so overwhelming that we made a different decision in a moment of time? And what if God would have not had plan B? And I think what is true for you and, or for me is also true for you and I, for all of us. Every moment in time is significant. Now, I don't say that for you to look back with regret, but I am saying there's a moment in time right now that has eternal implications all over it. Some of you, you've reduced church to something that you attend. In your moment of time, you've placed upon me what God wanted to be on you. You've chose to just come and take. Some of you have chose to be judge and jury. You somehow think that God has positioned you to decide whether the church is being the church rather than you in your moment of time becoming the church. And some of you will surrender this for the rest of your life because pride is such a big, big deal but it's just a moment in time, isn't it? So you've learned to decide what grace is and how God is gonna deal with you because you've decided in his love, you get to somehow do and pick and choose what you want and he's somehow gonna let you be in glory forever. It's just a moment in time. 
In your moment of time, you'll decide not to pass on the incredible gospel of Jesus Christ and you'll let loved ones die. But at the funeral, you'll eulogize the moment and somehow you're gonna try to find just the good enough that somehow that everybody's gonna be in heaven. I've been at those funerals over and over. It's amazing how ugly someone can live and yet they're gonna be in a better place. But see, you can disagree with me because that's your moment in time. That's a theology you chose because it sort of makes your life comfortable, convenient. It explains it. Why am I saying all this? Because everybody's going to answer for their moment in time. I've made mine. I'm glad that Kay and I said yes. There's been incredible joys. There's been in deep, deep sorrows. We've had privileges of standing on mountains and seeing lives be transformed. We've been in deep, deep valleys and understand betrayal. We've been through it all, but I wouldn't change that moment for time for anything in time. What an incredible gift and a blessed life that we've had. How about you? See, I read a story about a man who found a cave along a sea. You've probably seen these before. And like a child, you did what this man did. He spent the day exploring it, going on the inside, wondering what is in the depth of the cave. It was then that he came across a bag, a bag that he opened and it was full of clay dirt balls. He could tell these weren't just any clay dirt balls. They had been handcrafted. In fact, someone had taken a good deal of time molding them. But it wasn't just a few. It was hundreds, several hundreds of clay dirt balls. Well, the man decided he could have some fun with this. So he carried the bag of dirt balls. It was quite heavy out of the cave and began to throw them out into the sea. Dirt balls the size of a baseball. He was having fun. After he'd thrown about a hundred, he decided to break one. Why not? Curiosity got him. He threw it to the ground and it broke open. And in the heart of that clay ball was a very rare jewel. Curiously, he broke another inside another rare jewel again and again the rest of these clay dirt balls each one was filled with a very rare priceless jewel you can imagine how ecstatic he was i'm rich i'm so rich but then his mind quickly recalled the hundred he had needlessly carelessly thrown into the sea. Why do I say that? Because I think that's what you and I do with each precious moment of time. How often do we go through the day and it's just another clay, dirt, ball? How many times have we gone through a day and thought, how unfair? 
and we just took it and threw it to the sea. And yet inside was the very thing that you'd been looking for. Could it be that every moment in time the hand of God is in? Could it be that every second you breathe, God is all over it in eternity and its future? And some amazing thing could be wrapped in that moment of time. I contend there is. And yet, how often do we throw it to the wind? How often? How often do we decide what a rare, priceless jewel is? And it's to that we hold on and we chase it with everything we got, only to discover that's the clay dirt ball. It's just a moment in time, right? But I think Solomon was right when he wrote in Ecclesiastes 8 there's a right time and a right way to do what? Oh, come on, church. There is a right time. This is the Bible. This is God's word. There is a right time. There is a right way to do everything. Everything in your life, every moment in time. But then he adds, but we know so little. And that's where pride comes in because we think we know so much. We know so little. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at the word of God. I'm reading from the New Living, so if you have the Bible app, you can click onto it. It's one of the things I like about the Bible app because it allows us to be on the same page. Sometimes people will come up and go, man, my Bible didn't follow along with what you, you were reading. And I get that. But if you have your hard copy, there's some things that I think are going to be awful close in this passage that I want you to notice. Hebrews 11, I'm beginning in the 24th verse. Here's what it says. It was by faith, by what? Faith. faith. This is really important that you get this. We're going to come back to this in a moment. But if you want to highlight that verse, I would encourage you to do so. We'll come back or that word because we'll come back to it in a moment. It was by faith that Moses, who, who are we talking about? Moses. Moses. Y'all know Moses. If you don't know Moses, you might know old Mo. He's the dude back in the book of Exodus that God called forth. And you might have heard about a bunch of people that were down in prison. They were in slavery in Egypt and God comes along you might have heard stories about 10 plagues growing up, or maybe you've heard them somewhere. Maybe you've seen them out in the, in, on, on the television or in a movie screen. But 10 plagues and a guy shows up and he says, you need to let God's people go. And they go out into the desert and the water opens up at the Red Sea and people pass through it. You might have heard stories about food falling from the sky. You might even heard the story about the 10 commandments. This is that guy. This is Moses. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, notice those words, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Notice that. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. And here's why, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. Now I want to read this again. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, 
when he became mature, which God calls all of us to, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. This is a Hebrew child, and I won't get into all of the specifics of how he got from the birth of being a Hebrew child to living in the palace of having everything, only to this, that God's hand was all over every moment of Moses's life. And what we're reading here is that Moses figured out the power of time, of moments, and that God doesn't fail. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, even though he was raised in the palace, even though he's an adopted child of Pharaoh's daughter, he understands something. I'm still a Hebrew. I have an identity that really matters. And because of that, he chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. What I want to do in talking about time is I want to look at four fundamental choices that Moses made, watch this, that you and I must make. Four choices that we have to make, and by the way, we will make one way or the other. If we're going to grasp, if we're going to unpack the precious, priceless gift of time, making every moment count. Here's the first choice. If you've got a place to write it, I want you to write it in. It's the principle of identity. Say it with me. This is the principle of identity. It's the principle of what? Identity. Look up here. This is the number one issue in our world today. This is absolutely the number one issue in our world today. Everything comes out of this. We live in a world where people have no idea who they are or whose they are, even in the church. I want to say something and I don't want you to miss it. If you think you're busy, it's because you don't know whose you are. If you think you don't have enough time, it's because you have no idea whose you are. Because here's something about our heavenly father. When you figure out whose you are as a child of God, he will give you all the time you need to live out everything that he has for you and purpose for your life. Oh, he won't give you just enough time. He'll give you all the time you need. This is why we talk about what does it really mean to be a child of Jesus? Not about it being a person that goes to church, because I think there's a lot of people who think they're saved because they go to church, they're raised in the church. But I understand there's something definitely wrong because listen to what they talk about. Isn't it talking about their father, Jesus? They're always talking about their life. They're always talking about how busy they are. They're always talking about how bad they got it. Listen to this. When you understand that you're a child of Jesus, you can't hold on to unforgiveness. When someone has wronged you and you're holding on to it, you have no idea who you are. Because Jesus said what? I'll forgive you as you forgive others. See, if you're my child, you can't be greater than I. So you can't spend all your life holding on to someone's past. God says, okay, I'll hold on to yours. 
You have no idea what I've done. You have no idea who I am. You don't understand the incredible gift I gave you. Why would you want to withhold that gift from another? Folks, people make mistakes. That includes me. People let you down. That includes me. The Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No one is exclusive to that. We've all sinned. But thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, that he overcame. And that's why he says, I no longer call you a slave. I call you my child. You can come to me and say, Abba, Father. See, here's the deal. Until you get this right, watch this, do not miss this. Until you get this right, you will spend all your time out here trying to figure that out. That's why people are busy. They don't know whose they are. They're just running and they're running and they're running. But my Bible says, whoa, 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 whoa. My Bible says this, be still and know that I am God. That's what my Bible says. Like, why are you running? Folks, read the Gospels. You'll never see Jesus running anywhere. Jesus just walked. It, people said, but wait, Jesus, someone just died. It's all right, I'll get to him. But they're dead. I know. And there were people frustrated with him because he wasn't running fast enough. He wasn't moving quick enough. He wasn't responding the way they thought. But Jesus never does what we think is right. He does what's right because he's God. It's crazy how many people died and Jesus would get there late well after the funeral and he'd just bring them back to life. It's really crazy. Why are we doing something different than that? Because we don't know who we are. We just don't. It's hard to live in the moment when we're always thinking about tomorrow. It's hard to live in the moment when we're always carrying crap from yesterday, not just of our own crap, but somebody else's crap. It's so difficult to grasp every second. But once we understand this, this is why this is so important. This is why we need to be in the word of God. This is why. See, I don't know how your morning began, but I can tell you how my band, mine began. It began in the book of Judges this morning. I just read multiple chapters. It began with just spending time alone with God. Not thinking about church, not thinking about what I'm going to preach. Just spending time with him because I might not even get to church. I could be in a car accident. My moment of breaths might be now at their end. I don't know, but what a moment in time. Does that make sense? Look at, look at Hebrews 11 verse 24 by faith. The Bible says, you and I can't please God without faith. What is faith? Faith is believing in something that we don't understand. It's surrendering our lives. It's dying to self and realizing something greater 
we need in our lives. So by faith, Moses got this. Watch this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, notice the maturity. When he had grown up, refused. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I think I've shared with you the story that when my middle daughter, Jaden, who just gave us our first grandchild this week. Wow, yeah, woo woo, all right. <clears throat> and all of you, all of you men that came up to me and says, it will change your life. I thought you were weird. You're right. <laughs> I literally looked at this little gift and she stole my heart like that. I looked at my daughter and says, you don't matter anymore. <laughs> I mean, oh my goodness. Stole my heart. Love this little girl. It's crazy, isn't it? But he re Listen, I've never forgot when my daughter, when she was going through some of her struggles in life, when she wrote me the letter and she said, Dad, I no longer have your faith. I have my own faith. I refuse to be known as Keith's daughter. I'm a child of the king. What more could a dad ask for? What more? Moses understood this. See, the first issue that Moses had to resolve was, who am I going to be? Am I going to be the son of Pharaoh or am I going to be a child of God? How many times have you heard me say the two most important days of your life are the day you're born and the day you figure out why? No one here is an accident. You were birthed for such a time by God. You weren't early, you weren't late, regardless of what the medical world said. You weren't premature, you weren't past your due date. You came in the world exactly when God wanted you in the world and he purposed you with eternity all over your life. You were born for a reason. Folks, write this down. My identity determines my time. Write that down. My identity determines my time. That's the question. Who are you? Whose are you right now? Do you know without a shadow of doubt if you were to die right now in the service that God would say, welcome home, well done, my good and faithful servant. Do you know that? Or are you hoping that? Do you know whose you are? You're loved by God and he has an incredible purpose for your life. I, I've never forgotten when I was in college, down at junior college in Texas, I needed a job and I actually sc drove school bus for one year. And then I, I really wanted to have a full-time job. I grew up in, 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 as a pastor's child, we didn't have a lot of money. And so I literally, while I'm going to school full-time, took a 40 hour job uh, working with young children who are really struggling in life. It was called juvenile alternative. Kids that were placed in our care and I became a full-time house parent from about three in the afternoon till about 10 o'clock at night. And then I'd go home, do all my studies, get up and go to class the next morning, did all my class in the morning and I'd do that five days a week. Well, on the weekend, one of the particular weekends, they decided to bring all the staff together and have like a staff time of, of bringing unity and harmony and teaching us about what it means and how to lead. And one of the things that they did is they put a piece of paper on my back. I don't know if you've ever done this. Everybody had to put a piece of paper on their back and they gave us a marker and we'd go around and we would write 
without putting our name on it, we would just write what we think of them. What's the first thing that comes to mind? I don't know where in time I lost that piece of paper, but I had it forever. I am a college kid and on the back, when I pulled my paper, I remember weeping over it. I couldn't believe it. Here I am in a secular world, in a secular work, and all over my piece of paper, it said, Jesus child, Jesus freak, Jesus baby. I've never forgotten that. To believe that I'm 19 years old and this is what my peers think of me. What would people write on your back? What do people say behind your back? What's it connected to? Folks, listen, life begins as human beings, not as human doings. But if you don't figure out who you are, you will always be a human doing trying to find your human being. And you'll always be busy. But once you resolve this issue, your identity, here's choice number two Moses had to make right down. The principle of responsibility. Say that with me. The principle of responsibility. See, once you establish your identity, watch this. You can now make and live your life accordingly. See, when you understand I'm a child of God, you got to go, okay, how do God's children live? That's an also reason I'm in the word of God. It's the instruction manual for my life, for your life. I'm a child of the king and God cared enough to write a manual of how to live that out. And you and I have to take responsibility of that. I don't know if you remember this commercial. It was called Smokey the Bear. You remember Smokey? I always thought that was interesting because remember his caption? Only you can prevent forest fires, but his name is Smokey. You know what I mean? I mean, he had twin kids, you know what? Fire and gasoline, you know what I mean? I, it was just weird, you know what I mean? But he's called Smokey the Bear. Only you can prevent forest fires. That's your responsibility. And he's right, watch this. Everybody here, your life will either burn bright or burn out. It's your choice. Everybody here, it's nobody else's fault. Your life will either burn bright or burn out. It's called responsibility. And that's what Moses got. Once he settled his identity, I am a child of God. Look at, again, look at the scripture, Hebrews 11, 24 through 25. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, notice, growing up, he took the responsibility. That's what maturity does. He refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, here's the key. Watch this. He then chose. This is so important you get it. He then chose to share the impression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. Notice in verse 24, he refused. I settled my identity issue, but... I have a responsibility in this because I refuse to be this. I am this. I've got to do this. He chose. See, whenever you take something out of your life, you have to then be responsible to put something back in your life. Did you catch that? That's what responsibility does. But I think that's precisely our problem. We're pretty good at taking things out. 
But then we sort of falter. That's what altar calls do. We come and we surrender our life, but then we do nothing with it. We don't take the responsibility. And you know what happens every time? If you don't put something in, you'll always go back to what you used to do. Every time. You can accept Christ as Savior, but unless he becomes Lord, you'll go right back to the same thing you used to do. I hear people do it all the time. Oh man, I gave my heart to God, but nothing changed. Because you have a responsibility in this. You have to take a responsibility. Folks, I wasn't born with a Bible in my hand. I wasn't born with scripture in my head. But my parents took a responsibility and taught me the scriptures. I didn't even know what they were doing. But as I began to grow, I began to take responsibility. I took time. I took effort. I spent money. It doesn't just happen by osmosis. There's a responsibility that I have. And I can't say that and express that enough. So if you want to make your time count, make every moment count, you start here. But now you have to take a responsibility and do something with it. You have to make a righteous change. Let me, let me, let me help you with this. This is probably where our problem gets. Doing the righteous thing is not a lot of fun. And that's part of our problem, if not the whole problem, especially in a very entertainment-driven world. We'd watch a bunch of guys kill each other on a football field, lose ourselves in the game, yell at the TV as if we know best, hence why we're watching, not playing. And when we're all done, what's different in your life? What helped your marriage? What helped you grow as a parent? What? What? I'm not anti-watching sports. I'm just saying we give our lives to an entertainment, multi-billion dollar industry that does nothing for my marriage. Okay, Pastor, you're saying I need to maybe take that out a little bit. For some of you, a lot. But what do you want me to put back in it? Sit and read your Bible. Oh, this isn't fun, is it? And therein lies the problem. But I will assure you, reading the Bible, you're going to like the results 10, 20 years from now. You're going to love the results. I promise you, you're going to love the results. Kay and I have been married 33 years. Watching this daughter of mine in her own faith give birth to this little girl that's now stolen my heart. And then my little 12 year old said this to me this week, and you're gonna laugh, but it wasn't as funny to me as it might be to you, but it launched something even more deeper in my life. My little 12 year old said to me, she was at school, she's taking a Bible class, she goes to Sioux Falls Christian, and she said, Dad, I told my teacher today, because she, she aced her Bible exam, and she said, you need to meet my dad. He's the smartest man I know. And she said to her teacher, I think he has the whole Bible memorized. And in my prayer time, I'm like, God, I want to memorize your Bible. I want to grow into that 
to be a sage that I can pass it on to my grandchildren and my grandchildren think I'm the coolest grandpa in the world. Not because of here, but because of here. That's my responsibility. You get it? All right, let me give you the next. It's called the principle, choice number three, the principle of priority. This is about keeping the first thing first. Because see, now when I take the responsibility, believe me, Satan's going to try to yank things out of my life. He's going to try to distract me. He's going to try to get me in places I shouldn't be. So this is now the choice that I have to make called the principle of priority. I've heard it said that obstacles are what we see when we take our eyes off the goal. That's why we need to be in God's word every day. See, here's the deal. Whether you're in God's word every day, watch this. You will be in the world every day. Have we ever stopped to think about that? You can keep saying, I don't have time, but you're going to have all the time in the world to be in the world. So if we're going to be in the world, why don't we face it righteously? Why don't we start rightly? If I've got to be out in this ugly mess, well, I want to go out there and be a source of encouragement, a source of impact, a source of effect. Well, I got to start always with my father, right? I need to be in the word. This is the key to priority. In other words, what really matters today? What really matters right now? Think about that. What really matters to God? Here's what Paul wrote in Ephesians 17. We read it. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't act what? But watch this. Don't act thoughtlessly. Don't just go through life. Watch what it says. But try to find out and do whatever the Lord wants you to do. See, priority recognizes this. I can't do everything, so I'm going to stop trying. I don't know if you believe in superheroes. I only believe there's one. Okay? Uh, look it up here. Everybody look up here. I believe there's one. It's not you. It's not me. If you have an S on your chest, it doesn't stand for Superman. It stands for stupid. Okay? All right? People don't need you to be a superhero. They need you to introduce the one who is. There's only one superhero. And I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Look at Hebrews eleven twenty six. Moses, watch this. Moses regarded, meaning he took a long, hard look. He didn't just go through the motions. It's something that's in his mind all the time. What matters to God? So Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a greater value than all the treasures of Egypt. And here's why, because he was looking ahead. He was looking and realizing what really matters. I want to hear God say, well done. That's what matters. Here's a little secret about priority. Priority always has eternity on it. If you stop right now and go, well, this is priority. If it doesn't ever last, then I wouldn't call it a priority. I'd call it a problem. I want you to think about this for a moment. Moses had it all. He had power. He had power. He was the heir. He's 40 years old. He's heir to the throne of the most powerful country in the known world at the time. He's second in command. Pharaoh's about ready to knock off. The next guy in charge is Moses. Now, some of you might be thinking, boy, what was God thinking? Let Pharaoh die. Moses becomes in command. He can change the whole thing. But that's not how God works. 
He had it all. Talk about pleasure. The Egyptian world was one pleasureistic world. Imagine living in the palace and everything he had at his fingertips because of his position. And he had possessions. Oh my goodness, did he have possessions. All the world's wealth at that time was concentrated in Egypt. And yet, and yet, what really matters? What really matters? What really matters? And that brings me to choice number four. And choice number four, watch, watch this. When you get your identity right, you with me on this? When you get your identity, when all of a sudden you start realizing, I have to make this sense of what really matters in my life. And I talked about this. When we talk about identity determines everything, now you have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to make sure what's priority. Here's what will happen. Here's, here's the fourth choice. It will happen by just sheer motion. The principle of perseverance. You just stay the course. Folks, I know what it's like to get beat up. I know what it's like to have failure. I know what it's like to not, not get it right. I know all that stuff, but I just can't quit. He didn't quit on me. I ain't going to quit on him. I might feel like it only for a moment. I go to my friends that are really close to me and say, I want to quit. And they go, okay. Because they know I won't. They don't go, oh, you can't do that. Because they just know. They just look and go, okay. Did you get that out? They go, yep. And they go, all right, let's go back to work. And that's what we do. See, the key to life is not just finishing. The key to life is finishing well. Look at Hebrews 10, 27. By faith, when he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger, he what? He persevered. <laughs> he persevered. A little boy came to his grandfather and he asked, can a person live a perfect life? Didn't take long for grandpa to respond and say, no, they cannot. Okay. Well, could they live a perfect life for a year? Again, a quick no. How about a month? <laughs> no, it's impossible. The boy could feel he was a little agitated at this moment, but he had to ask sheepishly, how about a day? <laughs> Grandfather actually paused for that moment, but then he bowed his head and sort of looked up and said, no, no, I, I don't think so. The little boy was sad, but he had one more question. Could a person live perfect, maybe for a moment? Grandfather smiled and he said, you know, I think they could. I think they could live perfect for a moment. The little boy's demeanor changed. He smiled so big and he said, well then grandpa, that's how I want to live my life from moment to moment. I want to give you one of those moments. Man, I hope that this will connect. But there's an unprecedented event. I'm trying to cash in every favor I can. Life's too short to hold on to them. There's a movie coming out at the end of February, right at the beginning of March, called The Jesus Revolution. It's a true moment in time. Some of the older crowd might remember this magazine that came out in time. It's called The Jesus Revolution. It's a moment in the late 60s into the early 70s that a revival began to happen out in California. 
It actually started in the upstate part of California and moved south rather quickly and then it spread all across the entire nation enough that Time Magazine sent one of their reporters to watch the whole event. These are very difficult to get. I have two of them. I promise you, you won't be able to pay 50 cents that's on the cover, but they were worth my investment because I believe that God wants to do a Jesus revolution again. And we're in desperate need of a Jesus revolution. Are we not people? Well, that's up to us. The story is about Chuck Smith in Calvary Chapel, a pastor during the hippie movement where the hippies were being, if you will, pushed aside at the church. I fear that that's happening even with our young people today. Whether we're pushing away, they don't feel like it matters. That's the fact. But God did something in the hippies. You know, the peace, love, dope group. There's a powerful, powerful line in that movie. I'll leave it at that. But the movie comes out at the end of February. And it talks about a pastor who said, we've got to make a difference even at the risk of where we're at. And Chuck Smith took that risk. It cost him dearly. But in that movement, in that moment, a guy named Greg Laurie got saved. Greg Laurie is considered now probably the pastor to all pastors. He's really kind of a quiet evangelistic guy, still lives in California, still pastoring away. And when I watch this movie, I've watched it multiple times now. I've had the privilege, my wife and I, I've had the privilege of showing a few of our leaders. And every time I start weeping, when I see Greg Laurie get baptized, when he has no idea in that moment of time, what God's going to do with his life. So I asked Kevin Downs, who's the producer, you guys know my friends with Kingdom Story, John and Andy Irwin, they did the film. It's something that God put on John's heart years ago when he started in the film business. He had a copy, he told me on the early days, he showed me his magazine and he said, I wanna do a film. This is not a Hollywood version. They didn't do any Hollywood. It's the best Christian film that I've seen today. There's no cheesy moment in it. It's absolutely amazing. And it's like God's hand is all over it. So I asked, is there any way, because I don't think we can wait, would you be okay if I showed my entire congregation the film? And they said, yes. So on November 27th, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we will be showing the film here in a Sunday morning. Now you stop and go, that's going to be impossible because church is only an hour, hour and 15 long. If Reed's preaching, it's close to two when you are, Keith, we understand, but <laughs> I get that. What I'm sad is that you, some of you actually keep time of that as if somehow in a moment of time, God's okay that we reduce church to what's comfortable for us. I have to say that. But we're not asking for you to make a sacrifice. That should be what Christians just do. So we're trying to figure out, some of you were approached and after the service you'll be approached. We would really like to get your feedback because what we're gonna have to do is if we do two services, we might have to start one earlier and we're gonna be here for about two hours and 15 minutes. I promise you, you won't feel like it. It's absolutely the most amazing. You can bring anybody you want, it's free. Will that popcorn pop? Well, just like we're in a theater and we're gonna show it right here on the screen. 
I believe we need a Jesus revolution and there's no more excitement that I have for a film that they've ever done than this one. Because it's not about the unsaved. It's not gonna be a film that you're gonna get your lost people that don't like church and Jesus to come. Hence the title, A Jesus Revolution, all right? They don't apologize. It will be in theaters all over the world in the end of February, but you'll get to see it three months before it comes out. It will hopefully be the catalyst to change our hearts. To watch Chuck Smith and what he did for the sake of the kingdom, to set himself aside and say, people matter. It comes at a great time because for seven weeks, we're gonna be doing at the movies. These tickets don't have a date, you already know why, because we're trying, I hope that this place will be filled. Starting next week, we're gonna watch The Legend of Bagger Vance. It's an amazing film. I'm not asking you to see some of these films because I wouldn't encourage them, but there's unbelievable principles within them. We're gonna watch Fast and Furious 7, we're gonna watch 42, the Jackie Robinson story. We're gonna do the Lego movie, I'm a Lego in the movie. I mean, I, it's, it's incredible, the principles, and I think it's some of the best stuff that God's ever given us. But we're trying to pull out every stop we can to try to help people understand there's a God who loves you. And every one of them deals with it. Why sit on this? Why do we keep sitting back waiting when God says it's time for us to go? The word of God matters. I didn't write these this time. Many on our team wrote devotionals for you that go and coincide with the movie every day of your life. You'll get it next week and you can do a devotional. It has scripture in there every day to walk you through, to challenge you what you just saw. How do I live it out? I believe this is gonna be crazy amazing. After we watch the Jesus Revolution, we're gonna finish up the year with a country Christmas. Just telling the old story. All the music will be country, just letting you know. We've got one of the top fiddle players in the world that'll be here, Jim Ed Hodges. When I say one of the top fiddle players in the world, Mark O'Connor is one of the fiddle players that plays in all the albums. I remember when I met Jim years ago and I says, how do you compare to Mark O'Connor? And he said, I played all his stuff when I was 13. It's one of the most, he now travels with Craig Morgan. It's one of the gigs he does. The following week, we've got an artist coming that traveled with Dolly Parton and all of them. And we're just gonna have some fun we're gonna just have some of that old classic Christmas. That's what we're trying to do. And let's go back and tell the old Christmas story, the beautiful story of the Savior coming in the world. And that's how we're gonna go into Christmas. Christmas day is on Sunday and we're gonna have one service in here. We're gonna do a candlelight service again the night before. And we're gonna finish the year. I wanna see 500 people come to Jesus Christ because I believe that's the God we serve and Jesus matters and the gospel is what the world needs. And I think God has positioned us for such a time. Do you believe that in a moment of time? When you leave 23 years, we have a gift for you. We're developing a partnership with Bethel University up in Minneapolis and one of their students started a candle com company called Salt Plus Light. It's a beautiful, beautiful candle company. It's not about candles, it's about spreading the word of God. When they gave us one, man, I was like, wow, that's the best thing I've ever smelled, to be honest with you. I literally on the way home was doing this, thinking my wife would love me. And, uh, and it, I, I just opened that up and it just blows you away. But 
This is just a small way. We have one for every household. We just want to tell you thank you. We hope that when you light it, what a time to be salt and light in our world, right? And it's also to say thank you for 23 years. I think our best days are still before us. Father God, this is a moment in time. It's a moment in time, a moment in time that we have a decision. Who are we going to be? Who's we going to be? It doesn't matter where we've been. We don't have to have regret. This is a moment now that we step forward and say, okay, today is the day the Lord has made. That's the beautiful thing about you, how you can wipe slates clean. And today we have an incredible opportunity, a gift before us to be salt and light in the world. God, I thank you for an incredible church. The privilege that Kay and I have had a chance to pastor. Boy, we believe better days are before us. I believe with all my heart. I pray for an incredible blessing over at the movies that God for the next eight weeks, that Lord, you will move us in a way that we will make invitations and people are gonna come and their lives are never gonna be the same. Trusting the power of the Holy Spirit of what you're gonna do through film. They're gonna forget they're in church as they're eating popcorn, drinking a pop and something is gonna jump off the screen and they'll never be the same. I believe it with all my heart for such a time, for this moment. In Jesus' name I pray and all God's people said, amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.